heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Interesting article I want to start with. I uh, seen here from uh, an analysis by uh, Dr. Joseph Mercola, uh, and and it was this: If you've had COVID, you're likely protected for life. Now, this is a big part of the questions that we get in here is, okay, can I get it a second time? Is it one and done? There's a lot of misnomers there. Want to try to clear some of that up today at the start of this Q&A here today. Let me read you this opening here from uh, Dr. McCullough here first. He says, once you've had the disease and recovered, you're immune, most likely for life. The evidence is strong and promising and should be welcome and comforting news to a public that has spent the last year, 2020, in a panic over SARS-CoV-2. A senior author of this particular study here, Dr. Ali Elabedi, is an associate professor of pathology and immunology at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, and pointed out this in a news release. And let me say, and I a quote here: Last fall, there were reports that antibodies. Uh, waned quickly after infection with the virus that causes COVID-19, and the mainstream media interpreted that to mean that immunity was not long-lived, but that's a misinterpretation of the data. It's normal for antibody levels to go down after acute infection, but they don't go down to zero. They plateau. Uh, And to wrap that up, when a new infection occurs, cells called plasma blasts provide antibodies, but when the virus is cleared, longer lasting memory B cells move in to monitor blood for signs of reinfection. Let's bring on now Dr. Peter McCullough joins me here. This is our 12th uh, Q&A here, and uh, these are the most listened to programs uh, out there uh, because people get their questions answered, Dr. McCullough, and they get a level of truth and they feel comfortable with that. I start with that uh, particular, uh, this uh, piece here from Dr. L. L. Betty here, the uh, Associate Professor of Pathology from Washington University School of Medicine, because of the comments about the people don't really understand this immunity business, that they can't get it twice. Let's start there. What do you make of that? Well, that is one of uh, probably about 140 papers now that support natural immunity. What we've said now for two years is that natural immunity is robust, complete, and durable, particularly for serious illness with the variants, the early variants that didn't mutate very much. That is the wild type, alpha, beta, gamma, and delta. Uh, But now everything has changed with Omicron. Omicron is the most uh, heavily mutated of all the uh, virus strains, and uh, it has actually a lower transmissibility index than Delta, but Omicron actually multiplies 70 times faster. Now, that's good news and bad news is that it is uh, now, in a sense, replicating in the nose and mouth of almost anybody. We've seen enough reports now over the last week, it's clear. So uh, that means vaccinated, that means COVID recovered, And that means unvaccinated, still susceptible. Everybody basically can get Omicron. It is a very brief illness. It's almost like a very mild viral malaise. And it lasts a day or two almost exclusively. Uh, There is uh, no pulmonary involvement, no need for medications outside of just a few supportive things. Uh, The CDC, as of December 10th, has told us that 79% are in those 
vaccinated, but I think it'll spread across unvaccinated and COVID recovered as I'm seeing in my practice. And in addition, uh, that it's very mild, only uh, in the CDC initial report, really just a, 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 a scattered a few hospitalizations. They look like panic hospitalizations that didn't require it. There's one death that we heard in Texas of someone who had previously had COVID-19, developed Omicron, had other medical problems. We don't know what the issues were there. Uh, And then we learned from a modeling study that the monoclonal antibodies maybe have become uh, obsolete. The, um, wow. the, uh, yeah, the Lilly product, which is bamalivimab and ertisimab, and then the, our workhorse, the Regeneron product, which is carisivimab and inumivab, uh, look like they do not hit the mutated spike protein of Omicron. But fortunately, the GlaxoSmithKline product, Sotorivimab, which actually has the best outcomes, still does. So uh, the government is quickly moving in Sotorivimab, which we could use for elderly, those with severe symptoms. But I am so glad to hear that almost all the patients calling in with Omicron, it's very mild. Uh, they're over it in a day or so. It's almost just like a 24-hour bug. Well, this sounds like uh, actually fairly good news, uh, I believe. Uh, I think it's still going to confuse even more so a lot of people. Uh, I mean, it, it just is because of the fact that this one and done and what people really believe, and they still see Omicron as another variant, but it's still COVID. And now it's like, oh, my God, you know, that sort of thing is going to happen. Let me ask you this. With the comorbidities, that was a real problem with COVID up front. That, that was the death sentence that people had to be really, really careful of. People that were very elderly in nature had uh, other uh, uh, you know problems uh, then this this could really be a challenge for them and that's where a lot of deaths were cured is that that all changed now with the Omicron? is that changed or is that what we're saying it's changed with respect to uh, some assistive treatment so for instance i've had a whole bevy of young people with omicron in my practice over the last two weeks and it's mild but let's say if i've had an older man who's obese that man may have needed um, a budesonide inhaler, uh, may have needed a little bit of prednisone, aspirin on the back end. We're talking very minimal treatment, no one close to being hospitalized with Omicron, uh, as long as we stay on top of things. Yeah, all right. Now, I'm gonna come through a series of these questions. Some of them might, there might be another point in here about the uh, immunity. Let, let's just dive through some of these. And then w- and let me just tell folks, we have a whole lot about uh, on the program today about vaccine injuries, uh, vaccine shedding, vaccine questions, a lot of that, and a lot of really interesting questions a little bit later in the program. But let me stay on this immunity a moment. A uh, question from Jen. Uh, she says, confused, please help. There was a Q&A on CNN on 1226. Well, I would say to Jen, that's the first problem. She'd be confused because she's listening to a Q&A on CNN. But that's just me. That's just me. I thought one had lifetime immunity once getting COVID. I've already had COVID-19. Can I still get infected with the Omicron variant? You just answered that, Dr. McCullough. Yes, you can. Now, she references the Texas man. But here's what's interesting about her question or comment. Um, she says here, uh, CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky says, if you have had COVID before, please still get vaccinated. Uh, and she's going on, this study shows that you are twice as likely to get infected again if you are unvaccinated. So I stopped there a moment. Is any of that true? You know, it's all irrelevant now because Omicron, all experts agree, is basically uh, resistant to the vaccines. So uh, now at this point in time, Omicron is, is in a sense made natural immunity somewhat irrelevant, but it's definitely made vaccination irrelevant. It's such a mild syndrome, Malcolm. Everyone seems to be getting through it. You know, the peak 
in uh, Denmark and South Africa was a very rapid spike and right back down because it basically everyone gets it and they get over it within a day or so. But you know, they're not going to stop pushing those vaccines. You know that, Dr. McCullough. I mean, you know, Walensky and, and Fauci and the rest of them, they're just simply not. Uh, they're on a mission. And whatever that mission is, it just is they want to get a shot in every arm. That's not going to change, is it? I certainly hope it does. We uh, really want our leaders to listen to academic mm -hmm. Uh, expertise in the field. They need to start calling teams of doctors to Washington to review this information. I've mentioned on national TV, they're running about nine months behind on the data. You and I are far ahead. So they are probably thinking about vaccination with the older variants, which are now gone. All right. All right. Now, here's an interesting uh, question from uh, Gina. Uh, Gina, uh, Dr. McCullough said on the Joe Rogan interview, he had COVID, but had also taken the vaccine shot and booster after having COVID. He also said you couldn't get COVID twice. So why did he get vaccinated? Interesting question. I want to clear that up. Do you know? That must have been some type of splicing job done by Spotify. I can tell you, Malcolm, I did have COVID-19. I had the alpha variant with pulmonary involvement. Uh, and, uh, you know, like, you know, you probably had Delta with pulmonary involvement. You and I both had it. Um, no, I did not take the COVID-19 vaccine. I did not take a booster because my group would have been excluded from the randomized trials. And there's no evidence of benefit of vaccinating someone who's COVID recovered. Okay, it, that's interesting. Listen to this one from Cheryl so we can really clear the whole thing up. He's, uh, she says, I watched a video with Dr. McCullough where he states he is not an anti-vaxxer. I actually took a vaccine last week, he says. Friends of mine are confused, Cheryl says, and thinks that means he took the COVID-19 vaccine. I took it as he takes other vaccines. It is really important to help me clarify this statement. I'm worried about family members who already took this vaccine and what the consequences are and if there are things so they can do to help their bodies combat the spike protein. Talk at uh, this important point here about the vaccine you took or didn't take and what Cheryl's saying that people are being misinformed. What do you say to that? Malcolm, like most allopathic doctors, I readily embrace vaccination in my practice. So all the vaccines prior to COVID-19 that are on the childhood adult schedule, I've taken them all, Malcolm, including an flu shot and then the hepatitis B shot, which is required for my employment as a doctor. So I want people to know I am pro-vaccine. I've taken the vaccines. The COVID-19 vaccines are investigational. I've had covid there are no sources of data to suggest I would benefit from the vaccine. There are multiple sources of data suggesting I would be harmed by the COVID-19 vaccine. So as a doctor and a reasonable person, I'm not going to take something in my body that's going to cause harm. So no, I have not taken the COVID-19 vaccines. Yes, I have taken all prior non-COVID vaccines. Wow. Thank you for that. Wow. That should answer a whole theory of questions on this. Thank you so much for that. Uh, to clear that up, I think that helps a great deal. Uh, Jean asked this question, or she says, Green Bay Packer player uh, has had COVID twice. Once last year, lost his taste of smell and is sick again now. Did he lose his taste of smell the second time, um, but tested positive for COVID? He said his first three days were pretty bad. Well, they typically can be, right? The Dr. McCullough said he doesn't know of a single case of recovered COVID individual getting COVID again. So I wanted to let him know about Kenny Clark. Do you know about this player? At all. It's almost certainly, Malcolm, it's an Omicron case. So almost everything this fall now uh, is Omicron and it has broken through the rules. Fortunately, this person gets seriously sick twice. I think that's the main take home point. You know, we've seen our seniors on mechanical ventilators. Some have died. Many have survived. The bottom line is those who were so sick early on with COVID 
they did not get that serious illness twice. But I think there's an overlay now of Omicron, which appears to be affecting everybody. Here's uh, interesting. Uh, th- this is kind of an interesting twist. These next two. Follow me on this. This is, I think, uh, well, a little bit of good news testimony here, actually. Uh, Nicole says, my husband and I got COVID this last week. We're not vaccinated. We were able to find a wonderful doctor that followed the eye mask protocol immediately and saved our lives. We're in our 40s, very healthy. Husband owns fitness uh, franchises, no comorbidities. Uh, we would like to start. We would like to take part in a clinical trial following COVID recovered people long term to continue to demonstrate the strength of natural immunity. We know our evil government lacks the intellectual curiosity and ethical obligation to science to follow such a path. I thought that was well said. Do you know of any long term follow up studies we could join? Before you answer that, Dr. McCullough, let me give this one also from Natalie, which plays right in line. I would like to speak to someone about giving my testimony about our family just getting the Omicron and using Dr. McCullough's recommendations. We have ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, but only needed to do the elevated vitamins, nasal washers, and throat gargle by day three, 100% better. Woke up with energy, nothing ever happened, barely any recovered period. I'd like to detail this to someone. We are extremely grateful to Dr. McCullough. We can't thank you enough. What do you say to those two? Uh, The first question deals with uh, searching clinicaltrials.gov for clinical trials on long COVID, and they should be uh, forthcoming. We have no uh, clinical trials yet on vaccine injuries, uh, and we desperately need them. The second vignette is exactly what I'm seeing, Malcolm, exactly what I'm seeing is uh, Omicron. We should be we should rename it Omicron, so it seems like it's hitting everybody. And uh, here, uh, only the nasal washes with povidone iodine because the source of the virus is in the nose. Everyone needs to know when they start to feel a bit sick with Omicron, they should actually blast the nose with 1% um, povidone iodine. That's basically a half a teaspoon in, in a shot glass of water and take a spray bottle or a bulb syringe, squirt it up in the nose, sniff it back, spit it out, do it twice, do it several times a day. And the bottom line is that kills the source of the virus, nutraceuticals and supplements. And that's really all this needed. Okay, terrific. All right. Now, Ami, Omi, isn't that like potato, potato, we say there, Dr. McCullough? Uh, so <laughs> no, it's a, Malcolm, it's a play on words. So Omni, uh, Omicron, Omicron is the, uh, is the letter in, in the Greek um, alpha, uh, alphabet. Yeah. The, the bottom line is Omicron would mean it, it basically uh, is almost like a transformer that hits everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it would be, right? That's what it would be. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, on to a lot more questions here. Let's get to Lauren now. Uh, my diabetic uncle in Spokane, uh, Washington, tested positive with COVID a week ago and was just moved into the ICU due to difficulty breathing. They're pushing remdesivir and antibiotics, but he just keeps getting worse. What is it these people don't understand about this? Uh, to continue with her question, is there any chance that you can point my family in the right direction, whether it's another doctor facility we can contact? there who will administer ivermectin or what my family can say at the hospital to demand they treat him with it. I know it's probably a long shot, but I figured I would try to reach you. Well, she did reach us. What do you say to Lauren? I get these uh, calls for help every day. One of the best services to tell our listeners about is called American Frontline Nurses. American Frontline Nurses, I will send the link to their site. They have a 24-hour chat function. And uh, desperate families can contact them. The nurses on that service will engage the nurses in the hospital. They start a dialogue. Many times they are able to uh, get patients to have uh, better advocacy for these treatments. Uh, We know that this case is almost certainly a Delta case. 
Uh, and just one point about diabetes, uh, multiple studies show, and they confirm basically what Dr. Yvette Lozano showed in Dallas uh, very early on, that high blood sugar and diabetes seems to really fuel the infection. The virus almost feeds on sugar. So we need to keep blood sugars down. We cannot give sugary foods or drinks at home. We need to do much more protein-based nutrition. And then diabetics oftentimes need insulin coverage. Okay. This next one's from Jay. I can't say how thankful I am to you both for these, these Q&As. It has helped me tremendously as I am a healthcare worker in Washington State. I had a question that I haven't yet heard answered. I was exposed to COVID patients at my hospital mid-February 2020. Prior to that, realizing COVID was in our hospital, February 28th, they realized we had COVID, and I went home that evening with fever and sore throat for three days. I got a PCR test done March 12th, and it came back negative. In January 21, I got an antibody test done and found out that a positive test indicated recent or prior infection with SARS-CoV-2. Didn't take any vaccines. After hearing about the T-Detect test, I took this and this test in October 2021, just recently, and it came back negative for no T-cell immune response. Now, here's the thing. I called them to see if it was an error on the lab, and they said no, uh, of course. With having, uh, with having a possibility of a mild case could have been a lower T-cell immunity that is not detectable, she's asking. I'm confused why I got a positive antibody test in January 21 and a negative T-detect test in October 21. What did we say to that? It's a mixed result. We know the T-detect test has about a 97% positive predictive value wow. for prior SARS-CoV-2 infection. So she could be in the 3%. The bottom line is now, Malcolm, it's all irrelevant. Uh, Om Omicron is coming in hard. Delta is fading out fast and Omicron is hitting everybody. So it's almost irrelevant what the prior immune status is. But, but, that, but what you just said right there, that statement, Dr. McCullough, that is like the best news we could possibly say, what you just said about Delta and the Omicron, right? It's true. Delta was so hard. It affected people, younger people. Uh, it was a severe infection. It lasted for a long period of time. I think Delta was the hardest of all the variants. Omicron far and away is the easiest of all the variants to manage. Probably everyone's going to have it. I honestly don't. I to stop all this testing. We heard uh, President Biden say 500 million more tests are going to be dumped onto the market. Um, I think we're going to undergo a test frenzy here. We're seeing this, by the way, in the NFL, the NHL, college sports. They're almost testing themselves out of finishing their, their uh, seasons. Nobody's really sick, and uh, and they could probably start the, stop the test uh, bonanza and stop it and just move on with normal life. Yeah, well, that, that would be the goal, but that's not what they seem to want here. Uh, and I'm afraid that they're going to continue this fear campaign somehow or another. But uh, the good news is, from what you say, uh, this uh, what's happening now with this variant of Omicron, this kind of changes everything. I think, Dr. McCullough, in a kind of an interesting sort of way, this could be the gift that kind of puts an end to this possible. I mean, we're not going to get a worse variant now, as, as I understand that I say that. We shouldn't get a worse variant than Omicron. Is that correct? And might this be the end of this thing? It's interesting that Omicron is less transmissible, but it replicates so much more quickly. That's actually kind of its its own natural gain of function was its ability to replicate so quickly. It hyperdominates over Delta. And uh, now Omicron is absolutely, I think it's over 90% of infections in South Africa. Uh, it was um, a large proportion growing in Denmark. In the United States, my phone is flooded now with Omicron cases, and I'm literally just giving reassurance to most of them. By the way, Malcolm, I have made a very nice graphic on the povidone iodine. I made it on my kitchen countertop this morning, uh, showing what you need to make povidone iodine, nasal spray or nasal wash. 
everybody should be blasting this the minute they feel a little bit viral. And it doesn't even matter if it's Omicron. It can be another virus. Uh, it's still going to work because uh, the one mistake I've made in my life, Malcolm, I've had so many colds. I've had nasal congestion. I've never zapped the virus in the nose before. I am from this point forward. Yeah, I've never done it either. I, I mean, I, I've been listening and talking to you now with all this information, but I've never done it either. And, you know, uh, that graph you just created and all, this could be really terrific because I can't tell you how many questions we get in on the confusion about the mix and all of that. Can we get that into a post pretty pretty quick here, please? And let's get it out to people, okay? Uh, we'll this is it. great information. So, all right, here's one from Barry. Uh, any quotes first from a paper on the creation of SARS-CoV-2, and I quote, motives aside, the following facts about SARS-CoV-2 are well supported. One, if it was a laboratory product, the most critical element in its creation, the backbone template virus, ZC45, is owned by military research laboratories, he says, Barry. Here's the question. Would natural immunity include anti antibodies, neutralization of the military patented backbone template? virus possibly neutralizing its weapon value as a template for future bioweapons through conferring broad immunity? I was fascinated with that question. Can you make any sense of it? <laughs> I'd refer that uh, listener to uh, Peter Bregan and Ginger Bregan's book, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. All the information about the genetic code for the virus uh, and its origins in the lab in Wuhan are excellent. I just finished the book by uh, Robert F. Kennedy called the real Anthony Fauci. And uh, while um, Robert F. Kennedy goes through the history of vaccines, Fauci's involvement, uh, the heroic actions of doctors like myself in early treatment, uh, the RFK book does not cover this, this type of detailed uh, question in the lab. I think that's only covered by the Bregan book at this point in time. Natural immunity does uh, uh, confer immunity against the most lethal strains of the virus, but it's obvious now mother nature has actually taken over and it's mutated the virus into a much milder form that is escaping the prior immunity against serious illness. That's what people really care about is natural immunity against serious illness. Amen That's still here. That. Amen to that. Yeah. You know, the book you just mentioned and the several books actually, and actually you mentioned a, a series of books on your show on the McCullough Report. <clears throat> In fact, uh, this past weekend you did. And I want to tell folks the links to all the books that Dr. McCullough spoke about in his show and that he just mentioned right now are actually in the America Out Loud bookstore for your convenience to, so you get the right titles and links. And they're actually on the front page. If you go to americaroutloud.com right now in the right sidebar, partway down on the page, you'll see the one from that he referenced in his show from Dr. Scott Atlas. You'll see the Kennedy one, the real Anthony Fauci. Uh, you'll see the Bregan book, which is very celebrated that he just talked about. Another early one from Diane Andrews, uh, Popper. Uh, they're all there, uh, Dr. McCullough. So they're very easy to find the links to those. Okay. And let me uh, say, Malcolm, all of them are different uh, and they cover different uh, uh, time periods of the pandemic and different aspects. So they're not duplicative uh, really at all. It's really amazing. There's very little duplication. All of them are extremely uh, interesting. The, the most comprehensive one, actually the thickest read is the Bregan book, but I think it's now under $5 on, on Kindle and only $15 hard copy. So these are great bargains. This is the biggest problem, the biggest crisis of our lifetime and certainly the greatest in duration for most of us. So it's worth the read. Well, it, it, the crisis is getting real information and accurate information, which is why we do these, Dr. McCullough, and the books surely are a help. Again, please understand, we, we want you to get the information. The links are readily available 
on the America Out Loud platform. Anytime you hear about the book, we'll have them in there so you can get to them. This next one's from Sheila. Uh, she says, I have been following the show for quite some time now. My husband and I are both unvaccinated and attempting to have a second child. My husband had a heart attack in June and a stent placed due to 90% blockage. He works remotely, but his employer is requiring vaccination by January 8th due to the federal contracts. Yeah. His cardiologist will not provide a medical exemption. My husband feels he has no choice but to get the vaccine and states he would take the non-Myrna shot, but I am extremely concerned. Can you please provide any studies that could support his case regarding the dangers of receiving the vaccine due to his medical condition? Wow, wow, wow. What do you say to Sheila? We published a paper uh, earlier this year and uh, I'm in the author block. In fact, I'm the senior author and it has to do with the stents blocking with uh, blood clots, actually what's called acute stent thrombosis. And that's in the setting of the respiratory infection, COVID-19, uh, due to the spike protein. We think the vaccine actually causes a greater systemic exposure to the spike protein. Uh, we now have uh, far greater than 20,000 deaths after the vaccine in the vaccine adverse event reporting system, over 350,000 urgent visits and over 31,000 are permanently disabled. Um, one of the reasons why the vaccines have performed so poorly on safety in the public program is they have actually let people into the studies who have background medical problems. In the original clinical trials, it was a clean population, people without medical problems. And so we didn't see this explosion of heart attacks, strokes, and other problems with the vaccines. So at this point in time, I don't think any of the vaccines are sufficiently safe uh, to take in this setting. Um, remember, this is research. Uh, he has to understand the risks and the benefits. He can't be forced into taking a vaccine and being part of research, whether you're a federal contractor or not. Uh, these are all being overturned, and uh, he should just seek a doctor uh, who will fairly evaluate his situation. And he clearly has uh, opportunities for religious and medical exemptions. He can go to aapsonline.org and get the roster of COVID-19 treating doctors. Okay, Renee uh, asks, uh, I just received a link that talks about the immense harm from crystallizing blood cells, graphene poisoning post-vaccine. Is this true? If it is, shouldn't the vaccine be halted and the people be informed of this issue? Does the vaccine put graphene oxide into a person's body? If so, is it poisonous? I just don't know who to believe anymore. I can't validate any of the uh, claims regarding the non-disclosed ingredients. So none of the vaccine manufacturers have fully told Americans what's in the vaccines completely. Mm. Wow. Uh, we now have under a lawsuit by lead attorney Aaron Siri against Pfizer and the FDA request to see what's in the vaccines. Give us all the data on the vaccines. The, the lawyer representing the FDA does not want to release the information now for over 55 years in the future, uh, these actions by the FDA and the vaccine manufacturers are making Americans very skeptical, just like this listener. I just simply can't comment because uh, we are being uh, blocked from understanding what's in these vaccines. I mean, just think about how remarkable it is what you just say. I mean, I can't even put my mind around it. People are being demanded, uh, being 
uh, I mean, really shaken up uh, to get this shot in the arm and they have no idea what's in it or what's going into their body. That is incredible. I mean, that we make such a statement today at this point in time. And this has impacted the whole world. I, I just don't even know what to say about that. Uh, Diane uh, asked here, I had a cold and minor cough about five days into my illness. I checked for COVID-19 antigens. I ran the test twice and it was positive twice. I had none of the usual COVID symptoms. Honestly, I was extremely surprised it was positive. I tried calling several of the online doctors, but couldn't connect. How accurate are the COVID-19 antigen tests? Tess, she's asking, if they're not accurate, how do I find out for sure if I've had COVID? And third, I've been self-quarantined for nine days. I, I never had a fever. How long should I continue to quarantine? Wow. This is a classic case of Omicron. I think she had the Omicron variant. I think it's over with. Uh, if uh, there's no fever for two days, she can emerge out of her quarantine. By now, Malcolm, it's been more than 10 days anyway. I think she should have a comprehensive antibody panel, IgG and IgM against the spike protein and nucleocapsid and confirm her infection. There you go. Okay. Uh, Jess asked, my father has been in the hospital in Pennsylvania with COVID pneumonia and almost died since no one would give him any meds like ivermectin. He was diagnosed with COVID October 23rd, went to the ERs being discharged. He still will need oxygen 24-7. The hospital gave my father remdesivir for five days when he got there. Will ivermectin help my dad when he gets home from the hospitals? That's why I thought this question was important. No doctor could get it to him until he was dis discharged, what would you recommend at this point? This is a case almost certainly of Delta, the severe uh, variant that we had prior to Omicron. And this is what's called organizing pneumonia. That is, it's there is inflammation combined with micro blood clots and the, the lungs have to slowly resolve it. Um, I don't think at this point in time, ivermectin will play a role. In my experience, I end up using a prolonged course of uh, corticosteroids, uh, prednisone, and then also an oral drug, colchicine. There are now three uh, reports uh, coming from three different centers. They're anecdotal reports that actually hyperbaric oxygen therapy and exercise therapy help resolve this better uh, than just pills alone. Okay. Lisa says, how long can a person who has fully recovered continue to test positive for COVID and are they still contagious? A report by Bruce Patterson found that after uh, 15 months, uh, one could still find the uh, spike protein in the human body. And we refer uh, to other uh, potential um, mechanisms, the whole virus could be found. And then a report from the National Institutes of Health just a few days ago by Chertow and colleagues found the entire virus in the body replicating up to 230 days. Now that was in a person who uh, was immunocompromised. So let me tell you, the virus stays in the body a long time. In my experience, one can intermittently test positive for many months after the uh, original illness, maybe even a year or more. And so I think once you've already had COVID, stop getting tests. Okay. You know, a lot of these questions, I would say uh, to folks are very fear-based and it's because of the unknown. And here's another one like that, Dr. McCullough from Jay. I tested positive for COVID-19 and I've taken ivermectin for three days with not much improvement. I've not been vaccinated. So can I, or should I change to hydroxychloroquine? That's hard. You know, that's personal medical advice. The ivermectin dose should be checked. The two doses, uh, three dose ranges are 200, uh, 400, or 600 micrograms per kilogram. So if it's a moderate case, let's say 400 micrograms per kilogram, ivermectin for five days, uh, provided there's no severe symptoms, I would stay with it and probably not change at this point.
Okay. Uh, Marcella says uh, in Dr. McCullough's newsletter a few days ago that included an interview with you and Dr. Johnson, you were talking about uh, myocarditis. Uh, you mentioned a study that seemed to show that the nanoparticles from the shot go into the heart and the cells begin producing spike protein and then the immune system attacks the cells. Can you say where that study can be found, please? The first author is Avolio and colleagues, and I'll provide that to you, Avolio and colleagues. It was a preclinical study, and uh, it most specifically shows that the spike protein damages pericytes in the heart, and we infer that how the spike protein gets there is via lipid nanoparticle distribution. Okay, great. Uh, we'll get that study in here then as well. Uh, Susie asked, uh, during Dr. McCullough's presentation at Wellness Forum Health, he mentioned a website with contacts for doctors who can be contacted regarding ivermectin prescriptions. Can you direct me to that website page, please? AAPSonline.org, click on COVID resources, and then click on the doctor directory. Yeah, that's a great resource, AAPS, friends. It really is. Um, uh, Jane asks, uh, it's early in identifying the potential seriousness of the newest variant, which we talked about already, Omicron. Uh, the most recent information that I've been able to find is that symptoms are mild, right? Indeed. My question is, could an unvaccinated or previously unaffected individual become infected with a new variant, which we've already answered, and develop effective immunity against prior strains, including Delta? That's interesting. You know, we don't know that. That's a great question. Is there kind of back immunity to prior versions? Right now, we are having some overlap of Delta and Omicron. That's probably the hardest clinical challenge is to figure out who has what. Uh, the manufacturers of the PCR could help us greatly if they would report what's called S-gene dropout, which is a signature pattern of Omicron. Uh, all the PCR manufacturers tomorrow could actually tell us if it is Omicron versus a prior variant, if they would do so. Um, I imagine since the nucleocapsid and the 27 other proteins are sufficiently the same, that Omicron immunity would probably give back immunity to the other variants. Okay, interesting. Uh, this one's from Kristen. I am a 30-year-old unvaccinated nurse. My husband and I had a mild case of COVID in October 21. We have said that the spike protein from a natural, in, you have said uh, that the spike protein from a natural infection can circulate in the body for 15 to 18 months. We're planning to try for a second child sometime next year. I'm curious if you think there could be an impact on a baby from this circulating spike protein if we conceive less than 15 months from our infection. Is there any data on babies conceived post-natural infection? What do you think? The the paper I quoted was by Patterson and colleagues, and the, the S1 segment of this protein was actually found by Dr. Patterson, who I interviewed on the McCullough Report a few shows ago. It was found in CD16 positive monocytes, meaning the body, in a sense, was trying to digest the spike protein and handle it uh, within the uh, basically immune system of the body. So I wouldn't think there's any problems with conceiving or having a baby. It's not free-floating spike protein uh, in the plasma that we see with vaccination. It's, it's a body's handling a natural handling of an infection. And it's a natural process, just like conception and childbirth would be. I think we're fine. Okay. All right. John says, please comment on the use of chlorine dioxide for COVID and for the spike protein uh, generated by the vaccine. Uh, also, if hydrox and ivermectin work for COVID, why couldn't we use it for all viruses like the flu? Have we bought into the vax uh, as the only answer to the annual flu and other viruses when therapeutic could protect until uh, natural herd immunity is reached with other viruses? Hmm. One thing we've learned is that uh, doesn't matter what viral infection or, or bacterial infection, the nasal povidone iodine uh, washes and rinses 
sniff it back and to the back of the throat and spit it out really works. It clears the sinus passages and clears the pathogens in the nasal cavity. Remember, with all forms of COVID, where is the bug? The bug is in the cavity. Zap it there with povidone iodine or betadine before it invades the body. Okay. And this one is from Andrea. Dr. McCullough mentioned a January 23rd March in Washington, D.C. I can't find any info on it. Can someone post the details? My family and I would love to be there to support. There is a March on Washington. I believe the organization is called Unity Health. We will post the link to it. It's organized. Um, I will unfortunately be arriving late that Sunday. Uh, There will be uh, forms of U.S. Senate testimony on Monday that I'll be participating in. Okay, perfect. All right. I didn't even know about this. Good to know. Uh, Well, we are on a roll here, my fellow Americans. This is the uh, Q&A, the 12th one with Dr. Peter McCullough here. Uh, Some good news coming out of this one, I think you can sense here. Uh, And we've learned so much over the past couple of years. We've learned so much about our bodies and the way to have a healthier lifestyle and things we need to do. Of course, I always tell you every day, get out and walk, take your healthy cell, do all the things you need to do. This is just proper care for our bodies and our minds. Uh, And that's most important, please, for all of us coming into a new year is to take care of ourselves. If we haven't done that before this exercise of COVID, we surely know to do it right now. Now, all the healthy cell information, which you hear on the platform, uh, they've got the the nutraceuticals, the daily uh, multi, uh, you've got, uh, I take the AMPM product as well, which is pill form, but fantastic. Uh, they've got REM sleep focus, the whole host of products are back at uh, healthycell.com forward slash out loud, or just click the uh, banner ads back at America out loud. This is the best regiment you could get into for the new year, for sure. All our listeners get 20% off the first order. Just use the code out loud, or again, click that banner ad and you'll be entitled to that. Uh, We're going to take a quick pause, my fellow Americans. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the voice of a nation. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is McCullough Report. I want to put in a quick word and a solid word for healthy cell. Healthy Cell uh, is a product line of uh, gel-packed multi-source vitamins and supplements that are targeted, I think, particularly to help patients recovering from COVID-19. That's my most frequent recommendation to patients in that application. The long COVID syndrome has a variety of neurologic as well as neuromuscular effects on the body. And as I revealed today on the McCullough Report, we now know the virus is in the body for a long period of time, uh, even up to 230 days after initial infection. So we need everything that Healthy Cell has to offer. Three products that I have in my house uh, used to boost the immune system. We need it as we're fighting off COVID-19 over a long period of time. Uh, The focus and memory product, particularly helping with brain fog and that frustrating uh, set of neurologic and actually psychiatric sometimes symptoms that develop after COVID-19. We get so frustrated with that brain fog and that fuzziness. Um, As we know now, the virus is in the brain. And then lastly, the REM sleep supplement, which uh, restores the healthy sleep quality that no other supplement does. You know, many other uh, sleeping medications and supplements simply force people into sleep, what's called shortening the sleep latency. That's the variable in a sleep study. This healthy cell is completely different. It actually improves the sleep quality. And the concept here is that when sleep sleep quality improves, 
one gets a more restful night of sleep, the next day is better. So therefore, there's better uh, opportunity to exercise and have a healthier diet. There's fewer stress hormones. And then the next night of sleep, again with healthy cell REM sleep supplement taken on a consistent basis, is another quality night of sleep. And then that uh, very favorable pattern sets in in the human body. One of the things I tell patients is on vitamins and supplements, use them daily and use them consistently. They're not start-stop uh, types of products. We use them daily and use them consistently and then expect over several months, you'll start to see changes in your body. And with this product line, I can tell you, you'll like what you feel. So let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 112 times per month. But by simply keeping our immune system strong, we can stay healthy and put our worries at ease. One little known way to do this is by taking AC11, a patented supplement from a plant in the Amazon rainforest. Studied for over 20 years and backed by over 40 scientific peer-reviewed studies, taking AC11 has been proven to extend the life of immune cells called leukocytes, allowing you to boost immunity naturally. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of AC11. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L. And use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. on the pursuit of 2022 is upon us. Happy New Year, my fellow Americans. Eleanor Roosevelt says the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. May you realize your dreams in the new year we trust. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. We join you back here on The Voice of a Nation. It is Malcolm Aloud here, yours truly. Again, this is our 12th Q&A with Dr. Peter McCullough here. And again, uh, this show, uh, The Voice of a Nation, you hear daily, you know, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern time is where you catch it. And we cover everything that's important in life, uh, just er- everything, the healthcare, society, cultural, politics, you name it. There's an encore at 10 p.m. Eastern time. So 6 and 10 is where you catch this program. Now, I want to mention to you, the McCullough Report is available every Saturday and Sunday. And that's available at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, And there's an encore at 7 p.m. But you can hear these programs anywhere in the world, which is really cool, on the iHeartRadio network, our free apps, Apple, Android, or Alexa. We have a great media player. Just click the live button back at America Out Loud. It is outstanding. So all that's available to your friends and all the resources are back at americaoutloud.com, of course. Let's dive in, uh, Dr. McCullough, to some of these questions here. This one's from Lisa. And these are a few on vaccine injuries. My cousin had several strokes following the inability to get her blood pressure under control. No one would see her clinically. She was a very complicated case. 
uh, but one specialist in Miami who agreed to try to help her said he would only help her if she cut a vaccine. Well, lo and behold, within six to eight weeks after the vaccine, she became completely paralyzed. They're saying there's no way it came from the vaccine because it was too far away. Have you seen anything like this? She is trembling and shaking like uh, some of the instant neurological reactions you see all over the media. They are now saying that she possibly has MS because there's MS in the family. I'm an MS patient myself. Any data on neurological symptoms from this? You know, that's a complicated uh, question for sure. But let me just refer the list to a paper by Sylvan Malin, M-E-Y-L-E-N, that was published in the journal Hypertension as a research letter. It's called Stage 3 Hypertension in Patients After mRNA-Based SARS-CoV-2 Vaccination. And it describes basically severe hypertension that can develop. And there can be urgencies or emergencies like intracranial hemorrhage, uh, small uh, 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 points of damage in the brain uh, called uh, infarcts. And, and as well as a serious event, such as aortic dissection, which we've seen in our clinical practice, which is a ripping of the aorta and the blood vessels, uh, it's vigorous. And you know, we don't know why this happens in some and not in others. We know the lipid nanoparticles distribute to the adrenal glands, the brain. There's a there's a uh, a system along the spinal cord called the sympathetic chain. They could actually all be related to these bursts in blood pressure. They are frightening. Um, I think this injury does sound like it's related to the vaccine. Remember, in vaccine uh, injury safety um, practice, we tend to be conservative and think the vaccine caused it as opposed to dismiss it. Uh, Ricky says, I love this program. I'm a 48-year-old who stays in shape, lifts weights, runs. I got the Pfizer shot two months ago. My heart feels like someone is holding it and squeezing it gently. I hope it is in my head. However, is there a blood test to see if I got an injury from the vax? I have not got the second one, and I'm concerned that I could do further damage. Is there any kind of test? Wow. Sounds like vaccine-induced myocarditis in a paper by Rose and myself in Current Problems of Cardiology. We uh, described this in the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. It can happen all the way up to age 50 in men. It's about 90% in men, 10% in women. Definitely should get uh, an EKG, a blood test for high sensitivity troponin, another blood test for uh, called D-dimer, 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 uh, and then an echocardiogram and see if this is vaccine-induced myocarditis. Definitely hold on second injection. Be careful. Be careful, people. Wow. Uh, I Just hearing that gives me the chills. Uh, Katie says, my dad in, in his early 60s, he got the Moderna vaccine in March. Uh, he has never had any problems ever health-wise other than acid reflux uh, after certain foods. Uh, he's not overweight, work stays active. Monday, he had a heart attack caused by blood clots. My heart, no heart issues detected and no blockages. The doctors are puzzled and don't know what caused the blood clots. We asked if it could have been the vaccine and they were adamant that it was not because he was vaccinated in March. So I'm asking you, is there a possibility that it could have been the vaccine? And if so, what do we do now? It's certainly possible. In my uh, interview with Bruce Patterson on the McCullough Report, uh, Bruce, again, is the uh, founder of Incel DX, but he's a you know, professor of medicine at Northwestern Stanford. Uh, Bruce indicated that the spike protein uh, is uh, can be found in the human body for as many months after vaccination that he's looked so far. So we infer probably at least a year or more. And it's possible the spike protein tripped off a blood clot and caused the heart attack. Again, good doctors are conservative 
and would basically infer that the vaccine was related as opposed to dismiss it. You know, I want to mention to you, when you hear Dr. McCullough talk about some of these folks he's interviewed uh, on his show, The McCullough Report, just this past weekend, and this will be available on podcast as you're here in this program now, he interviewed Dr. Robert Malone, by the way, who, as you know, is the original event of the Myrna vaccines, a fascinating conversation. That whole show is a must, must listen to. Also, Energetic Health Radio, our dear colleague, Dr. Henry Ely, interviews Dr. Paul Alexander and discusses the 140 studies on natural immunity a whole lot more. So listen, there's great information and programming on the network to get there. So I want to encourage you to look those up, please. They'll, they'll be on podcast as you hear this. Let's talk about vaccine shedding a little bit. Visa said, Lisa says or asked, my family and I are choosing to remain unvaccinated. My 27-year-old daughter works in an office three days a week where everyone is now getting their boosters. Wow. They are all in fairly close proximity. I'm wondering if there's any truth to the possibility of shedding from the vaccine. We are all on IV what do you think? No published papers on shedding. We're now a year into it. Lots of uh, reports that possibly the spike protein in a freshly vaccinated person could transmit to another, but no published reports uh, does not appear to be a serious concern. I think no close contact such as uh, kissing or sexual contact is the limit for about a month. I think working in cubicles at an office is fine. Uh, Jane says, my husband is choosing to get the is my husband is choosing to get the COVID vaccine. He hasn't decided which one. Wow. We have two young kids and a three month old baby and I'm nursing. None of us have had COVID. Can you tell me how concerned I should be about spike protein uh, shedding since it's an immediate household contact? I believe I've read that spike proteins don't affect children as much, but I'm concerned about long term effects. I've also read about women and hormone changes, which is concerning as it could affect breast milk production. Same com same comment as before, uh, no kissing or sexual contact for a month. Again, that's just my best medical advice in general. The vaccine is probably irrelevant now with Omicron, so we may want to revisit it. Interesting, Malcolm, interesting. Uh, men much more fearful and concerned over the virus than women. We see this uh, constantly. Wow. Well, I got one answer back, Dr. McCullough, and this is me talking, not you, but the one way Jane can get back to her husband, what you say, no sex for a while, that may just turn him off that vaccine potentially. I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out there. Uh, listen, Kerry says, is it safe to get the Novavax vaccination if you've had COVID-19? We know we have full immunity, but we live in Washington state and our government does not recognize this fact. I thought that was interesting, Washington State. What do you say to that? I'm high on Novavax. The clinical trials that were published earlier this summer in New England Journal of Medicine looked every bit as good as Pfizer and Moderna. They had long-term extension data that they didn't have. Uh, sore arm, but looks safe. Now, we don't know if it's going to cover Omicron. Interestingly, Novavax, within 48 hours of Omicron, had announced that they were going to basically uh, adjust their vaccine or work in clinical trials to see if their vaccine covered Omicron. So I think Novavax, which is five micrograms of the spike protein, no genetic manipulation of cells, looks like a far better opportunity than any of the genetic vaccines. Glad to see it enter the EU and Australian markets and hopefully the U.S. market soon. Charlene says, I will be 72 years old next month. I'm taking ivermectin for prevention of COVID-19. I do not want the COVID shot. I need to know if I should get the flu shot or if ivermectin prevents the seasonal flu. Also, is there any contradiction uh, for taking the flu shot while taking ivermectin for prevention? 
I took the flu shot this year, Malcolm, because it's a requirement of me going into the medical center. But I can tell you, I looked on the package label this year, the lower bound of the confidence interval for coverage is 17%. The flu vaccine basically is almost useless this year. And uh, so whether she took it or not, I think it's irrelevant. Uh, by the way, I'm not recommending ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine prophylaxis anymore since the povidone iodine uh, nasal washes are so effective. So I recommend actually just uh, saving the ivermectin in case there's serious illness and just using the povidone iodine nasal washes at least twice a day, uh, especially for healthcare workers so they don't bring the virus home and, and, and basically carry it around. You have about three days to zap the virus in the nose before it takes off. Wow, that is a great piece of information you just put out there. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. McCullough. The fact of the prophylactically, the ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which everyone is in search of, uh, to let's calm down a little bit and use these other preventive measures. <clears throat> that is really good. That gives me a, a real a boost to hear that from you. Um, this one here, this is a, a gentleman, uh, Magnus, is a question from Norway. And you know, we get a lot of people from Norway. You can't believe the edges of the uh, earth that uh, listening to America out loud and listening to these programs, it bottles my, it rattles my mind uh, totally. But this one's from Norway. Since the Nova, Novavax triggers immune reaction being outside the cell, which maybe looks more like a natural state, question mark, would this probably also create a more durable and longer duration of the vaccine? Will the immune system respond different to the Novavax than the Myrna, T cells, B cells, et cetera? And since the Novavax also has specific spike proteins as the Myrna codes for, will it contribute just as much to immune pressure and viral selection of more infectious strains? Wow. That's a loaded question um, <laughs> that I agree with probably better safety with just a more traditional protein antigen-based vaccine, which is what Novavax is. Um, however, it's still limited immunity. The spike protein, whether it's generated by the uh, genetic vaccines or Novavax is limited immunity against the spike protein, which means limited T cell as well as just a narrow library of antibodies against one protein. The entire virus has 27 proteins. So no matter what, the vaccines are all very limited immunity. We need to see quickly data on Omicron with any of the vaccines to really have uh, an idea of moving forward. I'd say right now, knowing everything I know, uh, someone forced a vaccine, let's say in the EU and Australia, hands down, I pick Novavax over the other ones. Okay. All right. This one's from Kristen. I am from Ontario, Canada. And unfortunately, we will likely all require the jab in order to get any freedom back whatsoever. I'm required to travel abroad in June for a wedding I cannot miss. I also uh, not finished having children and will likely try another child shortly after this trip. My question is, should I wait for Novavax as long as I can? Or would it be better to get it over with sooner than later with j and I am refusing Myrna and give myself plenty of time to get this garbage out of my system. Wow. Before trying trying to conceive. I am so afraid of these shots messing with the ability to have a normal, healthy pregnancy and child. You know, this question really disturbs me. What do you, what do you say to Kristen? Uh, don't take a vaccine for social reasons. It's just bad practice. If the planes weren't safe, you wouldn't ride on them. It doesn't matter how important that wedding is. The vaccines aren't safe. Don't ride on them either. 
Yeah, I mean, think about this. I mean, you're talking about doing this for a wedding, but it's your life that hangs in the balance. I, I don't understand. Uh, back to you always question the social contract, Dr. McCullough. These kinds of things are insanity that we're going to do this because of what? Some, I mean, wedding? I mean, come on. Why would you do? Why would you consider such a thing? I'm, I'm just I'm just putting it out there, people. It's like, got to get real at some point, you know? Um, here's one from Charlotte. Uh, does the monoclonal antibody infusion weaken your immune system? No. Okay. Uh, Kelly says, does Dr. McCullough recommend the monoclonal therapy such as Regeneron? Uh, I did back with Delta. If we still have a case of Delta, someone presents with severe symptoms, pulmonary involvement, definitely age over 65 monoclonals, uh, either the Regeneron, Lilly, or I think preferred the GSK product uh, with uh, in the first few days of illness, age over 65, and those over age of 50 with multiple problems. Now, if people present with mild symptoms, just a little fever, uh, just a little malaise, you know, kind of feeling like a, like they have a viral syndrome, no pulmonary involvement, it's probably Omicron. And I have actually not used the monoclonals in Omicron because A, it looks like Lilly and Regeneron won't work. And uh, we could use GSK, but again, why? It lasts a day or so and it's over with. All right. This last one here is from Lynn. What is the protocol for a pregnant woman with COVID-19? My daughter-in-law tested positive today and she's 38 weeks. Wow. Good news. Pregnancy is a lower risk for COVID-19 complications than not being pregnant. That paper was published by Pinellas and colleagues, Annals of Internal Medicine. So pregnancy is not a high risk situation. It's not an immunocompromised. In fact, pregnancy is a super immune state because the woman is ready to deliver a baby and fight off against infection. So pregnancy is a robust situation. However, if there are severe symptoms, it's perfectly safe. Uh, monoclonal antibodies, by the way, have been used uh, anecdotally without any published data, but we haven't heard any reports of problems. Uh, we clearly can use hydroxychloroquine proven in pregnancy to be safe in patients with lupus. We can use oral azithromycin, oral prednisone, uh, weight-based aspirin, inhaled budesonide, and we can get the women through severe COVID-19 while they're pregnant. The only pregnant women who have gotten in trouble with COVID-19 are those with severe symptoms, but they haven't gotten any treatment. So get active on treatment early if there's severe symptoms. Wow, very good. Well, that was a record indeed, I mean, of questions in this last hour, uh, my fellow Americans. That was uh, 37. That was unbelievable record. I want to take a moment to really thank, uh, just a heartfelt thanks to my colleague and friend here, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, for all his work uh, on I mean, his commitment to getting the truth out there. That's the whole basis of America Out Loud, uh, my friends. It's exactly that. It's a liberty and justice for all. Uh, we mean what we say there. But, you know, all of our uh, experts and columnists and show hosts on the network, tremendous. But, uh, you know, my commitment with Dr. McCullough with these Q&As has been that we've been steadfast on this, getting these answers out. Uh, we're getting them in by the thousands and thousands. Can't barely get to them all, as you see. But we try to give a good uh, general view of things to help you all out, make the right decisions. Um, uh, if you have uh, some ideas for the new year in 2022, you can email me personally here at liberty at americaoutloud.com. In the meantime, please don't let the fear get to you and your associates and friends around you. You heard a lot of good news on the program today. Take that with you in your heart and uh, and have a great 2022. Let's, let's commit ourselves to that, though we don't allow others to feed into our mindsets, uh, our heads and our bodies, please. Uh, I'm wishing you the very, very 
very best in the new year, my fellow Americans and our friends all around the world as well. So on that point, my friends, thank you for joining me on the mission. It's time to get involved and get loud.